0: This is the Saturday to Sunday football podcast. This is where it all counts. This
1: is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. And we are back. This is the Saturday to Sunday football podcast. I am Matt Caraccio. And of course, joining me as always is Mr. Paul Perchese. Paul, welcome. Matt, glad to be back. Part two, previewing the 2021
0: running back class on part one last week. I think we talked about 14 or 15 running backs, another 10 or 11. We kind of want to discuss tonight just to kind of set the the groundwork for who these guys are as a prospect. We'll talk some rankings and tiers as well to close out the running back discussion, and as we should say, the initial running back discussion, because as we know, we're going to be revisiting these players, these ranks, these tiers throughout whatever college football season uh, we may
1: have uh, upon us. And and if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to part one, I mean, from Journey Brown to Najee Harris to the little sleeper that we call the engine that could, Keontae Ingram, I mean, you got to tell me if you listen to that part one, there's a lot of those players that are beginning to slowly but kind of steadily become those players that they're talking about throughout the interwebs about prospects that are going to be ready to compete at the next level so I don't think that this episode will be any less amazing let's start right at Oregon State with Jamar Jefferson Oregon State Junior he's 5'9 215 pounds and last year he rushed for 685 yards good for 4.8 yards per carry eight touchdowns and he also contributed nine receptions for 85 yards and two touchdowns in the passing game paul give us a thumbnail sketch of jamar jefferson from oregon state I mean listen, I think he I think he's a
0: functional running back. I think he's a guy who's going to be a day three, probably more of a late day three pick at the next level. You know, I think he's depth with upside to develop into a lesser part of a committee. I think he's an inside or outside zone running scheme. He's capable of running a little bit of gap scheme as well. I mean, nine is pretty short, but he's he's thick, uh 215, so I like his frame overall. I like his short area burst and acceleration. He's cutting ability, he's got some elusiveness and agility, but you know, he doesn't really add much right now in the passing game. So receiving production, receiving skills, pass protection, there are areas that he needs to work on. He's had some durability and injury concerns in the past. What type of workload can he handle? He's never really been the the bell cow. I think his athleticism and long speed and stuff like that is probably average or functional at best. So I think he's a serviceable player. I think you know if there was a season he maybe could have been a guy that you know elevated his stock a little bit but right now you know obviously so much is in limbo you know with some conferences postponing or canceling others are still trying to push forward with a season uh, you know, and obviously Jefferson falls, you know, in right now in the Pac-12 and, and right now they've canceled their season. So, you know, he might not get that opportunity. So you would think that he probably ends up coming back for his senior year or who knows how they're going to work the eligibility if if certain teams don't play any games this year or whatever. But he's a guy who I think needs more time to kind of show a more well-rounded skill set to maybe elevate his stock for the next level.
1: Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point as we're kind of surfing through all these various running backs. I think, you know, the tape that you put down the tape that you have on file, so to speak, from an evaluative perspective is, is really what we have to go on. And I mean, obviously from our standpoint, we have very little, if any um, tape to go on based on these players, but I'm I'm talking more from an NFL standpoint, the tape that you've put down over your last couple years or three years in college, that might very well be what you have to rest your entire opportunity at the nfl upon and if you don't feel like there's an opportunity for that to build upon then you may end up going back to school so it's going to be fascinating as we move on and i think the next player is in a similar situation although he is a redshirt senior so i mean he is pretty much at the end of his eligibility rope but josh johnson from ul monroe he's five foot nine 215 pounds last year he rushed for one thousand two hundred ninety-eight yards good for 6.4 uh, 6.5 yards per carry, 11 rushing touchdowns, and he added 13 receptions for 122 yards and no touchdowns in the passing game. Paul, is, is is Josh Johnson kind of in that kind of world of you wish you would have had your senior year, so to speak, because that's what we would need to get a better feel?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Josh Johnson is the guy, I think regardless of whether or not there's a season, there's going to be the... Pre draft bowl process. I, I mean, the pre draft all star game circuit. And there's even been some whispers about a potential two week senior bowl or something along those lines. Uh, Jim Nagy was, I think he was on the stick to football podcast and he mentioned that potentially a more, uh, a longer senior bowl. If there's no college football season to get more opportunity to evaluate them, Josh Johnson, I think is going to need something like a senior bowl or at least an east west shrine bowl as an opportunity to show his skill set you know, to NFL teams. Because obviously he's got great production. But where he's going to be hurt from is he's got almost the same exact body type as the previous guy we talked about, uh, Jamar Jefferson. So he's got some things in his favor and he's got more production on, on film for sure. But he's a guy who lacks receiving production and skills right now in terms of what we've seen on film. And as you said, all we can go by is, is the film right now. The level of competition, you know, obviously is significantly less than a lot of the other running backs we've talked about. I don't see a lot of change of directions, creativity to create yards for himself. Uh, you know, I don't see that in his game. I think he's more about power, physicality, strength, toughness, leg drive, forward, lean, stuff like that. He's got some one cut ability in him. Uh, but he's not a guy who's going to make people miss. He's not a guy who's going to, you know, have a, his speed or anything like that as his calling card. So for, for me coming from a smaller school, uh, he's going to need something like a shrine bowl or a senior bowl to, I think, help elevate his stock. I think we're probably talking like a round five to round seven type player, you know, elite, elite day for type guy, possibly UDFA, you know, with, with no season potentially on the horizon for him. Uh, you know, so that's where I kind of see Josh Johnson right now, more of a gap runner, a uh, best inside between the tackles as well.
1: Well, you know, and and what you were saying there kind of made me muse on the idea that maybe even the all-star circuit might take on a very different complexion altogether, not just in terms of length, but maybe in terms of eligibility. Maybe the senior bowl says for the first time we'll take underclassmen if you've already – let's say committed or said that you're going to go into the draft. So maybe they open it up. Maybe you're going to have somebody that's eligible as a junior. It may be possible that that happens. I I, I can see a lot of ways that that could go, especially if there is no season, then it may very well be that the all-star circuit becomes very much a, a, almost a mini camp of sorts. And it becomes something that is going to be very wide open potentially for not just Seniors, but maybe also juniors as well. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But I know that this is a player that would love for that to happen because going into next year, Jared Patterson from Buffalo is a junior. He's 5'9, 195 pounds. And last year, he rushed for 1,799 yards, good for 5.8 yards per carry, 19 rushing touchdowns. And of course, he added 13 receptions for 209 yards and one receiving touchdown in the passing game. Paul Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo. Buffalo has recently kind of, when you think about the, um, you know, the Aaron Donalds of the world, you know, I mean, they've been kind of coming on there as a program. Do they have a potential, you know, another NFL prospect here? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think Jared Patterson is, is a guy who's intriguing. I
0: like him significantly more than, than the previous two running backs that we talked about. So he's coming from a small school, uh, you know, so that's always something that, you know, is interesting to kind of see how they translate. Uh, you know, can they make that, that, that jump? And I think you meant Khalil Mack, not Aaron Donald in terms of, uh, in terms of prospect, uh, you know, obviously Khalil Mack, you know, Small school Buffalo to elite elite, you know, player at the at the next level, and I don't think Patterson's going to be you know a first round type talent, but I do think this is a guy who could be looked at as a guy that could potentially be an early date for type prospect, you know. So we're talking round four, round five. To me, he could be a part of a committee backfield. He can be that change of pace slash receiving back. To me. He reminds me a lot of Devin Singletary coming out of college. So what I mean by that is his vision to me is outstanding. His ability to stop start, his cutting ability, his agility and elusiveness, his athleticism, I put as a strength. It's very possible like Devin Singletary, he ends up testing pre-draft and he doesn't test out as a good athlete. But on the field, his play speed, his creativity, his cutting ability, his footwork, his problem solving ability makes it, makes it potentially seem like he's a better athlete than he is and that's kind of what Devin Singletary was as well he wasn't this great athlete on paper at the combine but on the field he looks like a much better athlete because of what he does in terms of solving problems so there's a lot I like about Patterson you know I already talked about the footwork the cutting ability he you know for a guy who's only 195 I think he runs with good pad level he's willing to absorb contact uh, you know, again, I think the acceleration burst long speed, I think that's just average. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's, you know, top notch above average, good or great or anything like that. But I think the way he plays and the vision and what he sees makes him look even quicker and faster than he is. And I like runners that run and vary their tempo and their pacing. And I think that's what Patterson does. He's handled a really heavy workload in college. So that could deter some teams. But right now, I think when teams invest in running backs, they're looking at one contract and then we'll see. So it probably won't impact him too much, but he does have a lot of mileage uh, from his time at uh, Buffalo. And I do think that unlike the other guys, he's shown a little bit more in the receiving game. And I think it's enough where he has shown the ability that he could be at least functional in the past game uh, based on what I've seen,
1: even though he didn't have a lot of production. And you know what, believe it or not, and 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 I apologize to Mr. Aaron Donald if he's <laughs> listening to this. We know we know your career at Pittsburgh was fantastic. And of course, that's that's what we call a mistake. And so <laughs> to everybody else out there as we kind of continue to roll along, you know what's funny, Paul. I mean, we know that most of my takes on a lot of these players are going to be coming in the fall. Um, we talked about how that's just kind of the way the dust settled for me this year. So I mean, Jarrett, believe it or not, Jarrett was a player that I, I actually happened to just throw on film the other day. and I was I came away going, not bad, not bad. I'm like, I I understand that we're at Buffalo, and I know that it's not not a Power 5 school, but, I mean, you know, watching his problem-solving in tight spaces and what he was doing in open spaces, you could see that capacity to contribute, and now whether or not that'll translate, it'll be intriguing. And I also think that what you said earlier about the volume, volume of receptions in the passing game should not be an immediate acknowledgement for talent as a pass catcher. Okay, catching passes and being voluminously used in the passing game does not necessarily always correlate to being an excellent receiver. It just doesn't always mean that. It could be that that is a big part of what they want to do from a systemic point of view in your, or tactically from your offensive side of the ball, but it may not be that you're an excellent route runner. It may not be that you're an excellent receiver of the football. So I I think that you know, when we talk about receivers and potential receivers at the next level, although it was only 13 catches that past season, that doesn't really shouldn't be the end of the story. We have to look at those catches. What were they? What types of routes were they? Did he get separation? Was he deceptive in his stem? Those are the things you try to look for. So anyway, just a quick aside there, a little bit of a sidebar about that. Going into the next player. Now, I I think you and I are going to be very potentially a little different on our initial takes on this player, Brian Robertson jr from Alabama. The senior is six foot one, 226 pounds. And In 2019, he had 441 yards, good for 4.6 yards per carry, five touchdowns, 11 receptions for 124 yards, good for no receiving touchdowns. But Brian Robinson, for me, has been on, and I think to your point earlier in the previous episode, again, if you haven't listened to volume one of this two-part series, so to speak, then you may want to go listen back as we talk about players that really you don't quit talent on. There are, there are players who talent wise coming out of high school or talent wise in the Debbie community or talent wise within the college, you know, football programs. There are players whose talent you, you kind of don't quit on. And Brian Robertson, I feel has Robinson has been one of those players. I think in the Debbie community, I think there's still many across the landscape that still burn a candle for him, even though he was kind of buried, um, almost free, very frequently behind players like Derek, you know, behind Derek Henry, Damian Harrison, Najee Harris. I mean, he really was kind of, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the bench, so to speak. But there were times where, you know, even with Josh, you know, even with, um, you know, Josh Jacobs and things like that, there were times where he really would come on the field and he would, and he would, and he would flash, and by flashing, I mean that he would show you the op. He would show you glimpses of what could be if you were to get a large portion of carries, but he never got them. He never got them. And I wonder if that's going to hurt him. But ultimately, I think a team may land a steal because of that. And I don't know how you feel, Paul, but he's a player who I thought was was respectable as a pass catcher, respectable between the tackles, respectable in the open field, I think he could be a steal in this draft.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I like Brian Robinson, the player. I liked him even more last summer when we did this. And I thought he was going to be a factor last year. And I thought if he saw, you know, 40% of the, the carries last year, I thought he could even came out early. So I do think, listen, we said it once before, the NFL knows who were the big time recruits were. They don't forget that. So like, you know, w- when they're looking for, for diamonds, you know, in the rough there, you know, late in the draft or priority free agents, Brian Robinson's going to be a guy that intrigues people. He plays at a different school and gets different opportunities you know listen if he's playing at you know we talked about recently UL Monroe and Buffalo if he's playing there he's probably a 15 to 1800 yard runner you know it just happens to be he went to alabama the, the arguably the best college football program in the country. There's been other elite running backs there, but I mean, this is a guy 6'1", 226. He's got a rare size and frame for the running back position. Great in terms of his contact fidelity. He runs with power, physicality, toughness. I love his finishing ability. You know, he's got pretty, you know, I would say average to above average athleticism and bursts and long speed for a guy his size. Like you said, he doesn't disgrace himself in the open field. He's got functional, you know, agility and elusiveness and lateral quickness to to kick it to the outside from time to time. I like his vision and his patience. Yeah, his receiving I would say is definitely a developmental area because we haven't seen a lot of it, but he's not a guy that's a complete zero there. You know, so one thing that I did see, I, I think he's very much a one speed runner and I'd mm-hmm. like to see a little bit more variance in his tempo. But I think he's a guy that, you know, he'll get a chance because of the Alabama pedigree. And whether that's round six, round seven, or UDFA, but he's got an intriguing skill set that a team a team will definitely he'll get an opportunity at the next level because there's not a lot of six one, two twenty six running backs anymore you know, with, with, with pedigrees of being a highly regarded, you know, prospect coming out of high school, you know, he'll, he'll get an opportunity and maybe even this year, you know, if there's a season, you know, I know Alabama is loaded at the running back position, you know, but we don't know, like it's a it's gonna be a weird year. You know, what if Najee Harris misses a game or two? I mean, who's to say Brian Robinson doesn't come in and, you know, rush for 200 yards in each of those games. So we don't know how this year is going to play out. I think Brian Robinson's got some talent uh, and, and teams don't quit talent, as you said.
1: Yeah and and just to kind of you know frame why we were talking about his talent if you I mean if you weren't aware that, I mean you know coming out of high school I mean he was considered one of the top you know 200 players you know in the country according to ESPN and you can take that however you wish but he did have verified results in the 40 of a 4.51 so if he ends up matching that 45140, I think he's going to end up getting, a, you know, a couple suitors, you know, some people that'll just jump on that bandwagon. It, although we talk about it all the time about problem solving. It's, it's not about what you have in terms of raw physical skills. It's, it's what you do with them, how you weave those into actually solving the problems on the field. It's about knowing when to use them and how much can you use them? How well do you maximize those physical capacities? that's what we're interested in doing but I, I we still live Paul in a metric driven world where people are going to potentially bite on exactly what we just talked about that 40yard dash time and I'm going to tell you right now if he ends up being a six foot one kid that puts up a 220 you know at 226 that puts up a 4 5, 140 or less he's gonna find some homes in the NFL so moving on right now to the next running back let's go ahead and talk about Larry Roundtree from Missouri. The senior is 5'10", 210 pounds, and last year he rushed for eight hundred and twenty nine yards, good for four point five yards per carry, nine touchdowns, and he added thirteen receptions for seventy yards in the passing game. Paul, Larry Roundtree, another player that's been you know been around the block so to speak for a while in terms of being on lists as prospects that we've kind of remember and have heard about. Um, you know, I, from what I remember about Roundtree. I remember him being a very, very good interior runner. um, And that's kind of what I remember him being in terms of coming out of high school. I remember guys bouncing off of him at times. Um, What, what, what is, what does he become from some of the early work that you've seen on him? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think that's who he is still. I think he's an inside zone and gap runner. I think he's a depth running back. You know, Missouri really had their struggles last year uh, but he, you know, he, he kind of trudged along and, and was, it was serviceable, not as good as a year as the previous year. But I think I, some things I like about him, I like his vision. I like his patience. I think he, he chose that on his runs. You know, I think his play strength, physicality, you kind of talked about it. Like guys bounce off of him. He finishes runs aggressively. He's got that contact fidelity that you talk about. I like his forward lean always. I feel like when he's getting tackled, gets an extra yard or two. I think he's an average athlete, average acceleration, burst. You know, I think his agility, same thing. Lateral quickness, all about average. Doesn't, doesn't offer much in the receiving game. Not a guy who's going to make you miss it with hard cuts or, you know, agility or elusiveness in the open field. So I, I think he's a functional running back who probably would be, you know, round out somebody's depth chart as a number three or number four running back on a depth chart. We're talking about a guy who, you know, probably, you know, go late rounds or undrafted free agent, you know, you know, and try to earn a, a, a job at the next level, you know, as a number four running back and
1: then see if he can work his way up,
0: to, up the ladder a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that that exactly describes, sometimes it's interesting to hear how players kind of, you know, they don't, they don't, and again, I'm not saying they don't develop, but what I'm saying is, is that they end up holding a little bit more true than we kind of suspect t- at times to what you might've seen at the kind of lower levels. They end up bringing that same type of game to the upper levels, of course. And that's kind of interesting to me at times. So anyway, moving on to another player, another player who's kind of, again, made their circles in the, in the Debbie community. There are a lot of true believers and that's Trey Sermon right now, Ohio state senior, he's six foot, 221 pounds. Uh, last year, he rushed for 385 yards, good for 7.1 yards per carry, four touchdowns, eight receptions to 71 yards uh, in the passing game. Paul, Trey Sermon is a player who, I'm going to tell you, coming out of high school, very exciting. Very exciting player. I mean, in terms of the type of player he was very much reminded me of, he he and um, players like Keontae Ingram were very similar to me, although... Trey Sermon was a little bit at a higher level in terms of the athletic component. Trey Sermon was an exciting player. You know, there was, I thought he was going to be a player that could contribute in a variety of ways to a team, but I wasn't sure how that would manifest itself at the collegiate level. Was it going to, was he going to take that next step? Was he really going to be a contributor, both in terms of interior running outside in space, as well as in the passing game? It looked like in high school that he had the potential to do that. But then we kind of—it was inconsistent, like it was just inconsistent. Like Stephen Carr, right? Very inconsistent. Him and Stephen Carr—they both remind me very similar types of players that I thought they could be. What do you, what do you got on Trey
0: Sermon? Yeah, I mean Trey Sermon is a very intriguing prospect because I feel like people are all over the map on him. I know Pro Football Focus really loves Trey Sermon. They thought very highly of him, you know, even before last college football season started and still think highly of him now. You know, other people look at him and think he's a mid to late day three guy. I kind of fall in the middle of those. I kind of see he could potentially, with a good year, be a round three, round four type prospect. But the the conundrum is that. You know, right now, Big Ten is not scheduled to be playing football. And right. I think the most fascinating thing is, ties into our next guy who we'll talk about momentarily, yes. but I'm going to bring up his name right here, is what does Ohio State make of Master Teague the third that they went and, and brought Trey Sermon here from Oklahoma in the transfer portal? Because who's going to, is it going to be a dual backfield or were they not sold on a guy like Teague And then they wanted to bring someone in. And you have to think that Sermon wants an opportunity to be the guy after splitting time with Kennedy Brooks at Oklahoma. And I do like Sermon more than I like Kennedy Brooks. and I'll talk about some of that in a second. But it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that plays out because I got to imagine Sermon wouldn't have picked there if he didn't think – he was going to see a a pretty significant workload and not just be a bit player if there, if there was to be a season and if there is to be a season. So I'm interested to kind of see how that plays itself out. I do agree with you though, that, he has shown flashes of being a great player, and then other times where you you question his his overall talent level. You know, six feet two twenty one. So I love the size and frame component, the play strength, the power, the finishing ability, that physicality, the ability to break tackles, run through tackles. I like it all. He's got some short area bursts. He runs with good pad level. You know, his athleticism and acceleration that uh, that's probably all about average. I mean, pretty
1: good probably for a guy two twenty one. Didn't you find that inconsistent? Like, cause I found it inconsistent. There were times that you saw that decisiveness. You saw that like immediate burst that you're looking for. And then there were times it kind of dwindled out. Yeah. 100%, 100%
0: that I, I think there, there's, there's times that you look for that inconsistency. I put the, I put vision and patience as a functional, but, but it also could be an area that he's still got to show development on. I probably should have in, in the development inconsistent in, in terms of this is overall game. Cause I think that does speak volumes for him. He does he hasn't shown much in the receiving game. He's battled some injuries and durability concerns. He's pad level and he has a little bit of an upright running style. And to me, that's a little bit concerning at times, you know, cause he absorbs more wear and tear. Uh, and let's be honest at Oklahoma. That scheme created a lot of, a lot of wide open rushing lanes. We've already talked about Kennedy Brooks on part one. I don't think Kennedy Brooks transfers as a big time recruit to the next, a big time prospect to the next level. His production is very good. And like Sermon, a lot of the production comes from the scheme that they've been working with there at Oklahoma. And now even the scheme he'll be running with if there's a season at Ohio State, it's going to create wide open rushing lanes, which we don't. We don't know about his ability to create yards for himself. Like that's something that I think is a question mark for him. So I like the player. I think this would have been a huge year for him of all the running backs that we've talked about so far. I don't know if as much kind of held in the balance as it has for Trey Sermon, who had a subpar year last year, who went to a new place and was going to be a part of a prolific Ohio state offense that it could have kind of helped elevate his stock. And now we don't know with all the uncertainty, what's going to happen or not. So it's interesting. There's some aspects of sermons game. I like inconsistency other times. And then also he's got to show some growth and development in terms of a complete player.
1: Well, and, and to, to kind of take your point and kind of further it down the road. I mean, I think we'd be silly, not just to immediately get into the discussion of master Teague. I mean, this, this kind of, you know, edition of Trey Sermon, like you said, says something potentially about Master Teague. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't, but you have to imagine that in a potentially shortened college football season, whether it's shortened by choice or it's going to be a shortened season in the spring to whatever, to whatever degree there is any college football season and the Big Ten is, you know, kind of a part of that. Um, y- you have to imagine that adding a new player who's not familiar with your playbook really has got to be a choice that's made for a reason. Now, it could be that you have kind of a dearth of kind of running backs in your back in your running back room. Maybe you just don't have enough, enough that you feel confident in. And if Master Teague were to go down, do you have somebody that could be there? So, I mean, could it be that they're just want that veteran presence, a player who's done the college football circuit? Or does it say something about Master Teague? It's it's very intriguing, Paul. But Master Teague is a player, like like I said before, another player who's been on the Devies circuit for a long time now. Ohio State, sophomore, redshirt sophomore, 5'11", 220 pounds. Last year, he rushed for 789 yards, good for 5.8 yards per carry, four rushing touchdowns, and he added four receptions for 60 yards and no touchdowns in the passing game. Master Teague, since high school, has been a, men, a man amongst boys. And I mean that in terms of his physical kind of presence. He was absolutely he the best equivalent I can give you is if you've seen AJ Brown play in high school, he looked like man among boys in high school. He looked like that in college, too, in terms of just how forgive me for using such a a silly kind of phrase, but they were so rocked up. It was absolutely disturbing. Like I want to know what they were putting up in the gym in terms of their squats. These guys were just enormous in terms of their, they were physical specimens and master Teague also had the elusiveness and cunning ability to go with it. He did prefer a little bit more in high school of winning through collisions. I felt like he invited contact. That was part of how he saw the game, but he was able to move. He was able to make cuts at speed, but I never saw a completely creative player. This is just my opinion at a high school. I didn't see a a very creative player in the open field. I didn't see a creative player between the tackles. That doesn't mean that he couldn't have developed it. But my feeling out of high school was there was room to work for him in terms of his vision, his patience, and his understanding of how first-level blocks can influence second-level blocks, so on and so forth. Can he see the second man coming? And not, and already understand what's happening with the first man. I didn't see that in high school, and I was hoping I would see that more in college.
0: Yeah, I think his rank in the community is a little bit being guided by what you were just talking about in terms of how much of an athletic freak he was at the high school level. I don't think it's necessarily translated yet at the next, at at the collegiate level. I know his athletic profile was special for, for a high school player coming out. So I still, I don't, I haven't seen though that athleticism translate yet on a football field. So like, I, I get it. I think he, you know, it's not that long ago. He's only a redshirt sophomore. So I think his athletic profile would, would be something that people would say, Oh, he's a a strength, his overall athleticism. But I don't, I don't care what his, his high school testing showed. On the football field so far at Ohio State, he has not looked like a player who can create yards for himself, who can make people miss in the open field, who could, who shows elusiveness, sharp cuts, agility, change of direction. I haven't seen it yet from him. And even his long speed and acceleration, I'd probably put more at average than like a strength right now. So to me, there's a lot for him to that he's still got to show improvement on, and that's kind of ties into the Trey Sermon. Does Ohio State have questions? Because you kind of thought with J.K. Dobbins leaving that it was now time to hand the reins over to the redshirt sophomore and let him be the guy. But then you bring in a guy of high caliber uh, of Trey Sermon as a transfer senior, and you 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 wonder if Ohio State maybe knows him best and they're looking at him and maybe maybe he's not going to live up to those lofty high school expectations. I don't know. But what you did say, he's he's rocked up. He his physicality, his toughness, his finishing ability, his leg drive, that's all top notch. This is a guy who I I do think just that alone makes him a guy that would be intriguing, you know, Probably round three, round four of an NFL draft. His it, committee backfield, I think, best in an inside gap or zone running scheme. His athletic profile is of someone who should be able to bounce runs to the outside. I don't think we've seen a lot of that just yet, though.
1: Well, and to your point, I mean, I think he's going to have, you know, circus level traits if he were to go ahead and go to the actual combine in any capacity and perform. I mean, just like you were saying, and we've been saying the whole time. I mean, this is a kid who, at a high school, had already put up a four five forty. He already had uh, recorded a- almost a thirty nine inch vertical leap. He already had recorded, you know, a four point one six short shuttle of twenty yards. I mean, that. Let me you know, jump in for a second. Yeah, but but do you think in in the limited exposure you've seen him in college? Do you think that explosion is transferred yet? No, 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 no. But what I'm what I'm speaking to specifically is is that. In the world we live in, it currently is something that still people are paying attention to course, despite yeah. our best efforts. And I think that when I think that when he puts up a number like that, I think you're like a Brian Robinson. You're gonna. And I would argue Brian Robinson has shown me more. To be honest with you, I'm just gonna throw that out there. I like Brian Robinson more than Master Teague. I know that's blasphemy, <laughs> but but I like him um, more because I've seen more in terms of his acumen as a runner. Again, looking past the first level, the second level. No, I haven't seen that, Paul. And that's a reason why Master Teague wasn't one of my favorites coming out of high school. He just wasn't one of those guys for me. And I, that doesn't mean that he's not capable of it. And I don't want to diminish anybody else's res, and, and disrespect anybody else's takes. I know he's very, he's very much a player that many people are all about. And you know what? We could very well be proven wrong. It's just, sure. I did not see it. Well, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. If we're, if we were ranking guys on upside and ceiling,
0: his upside and ceiling is, is really high. But yeah. I, and I think that's why you still see him it's why I still think you see him pretty high in Debbie ranks. And I understand that component of it because he is going to be a guy who's going to get the carries near the goal line and he does have the athletic profile. So he's got a lot of boxes that he checks off. But if we're just evaluating on his film so far there's a lot of development that still needs to be met before I think he reaches those really lofty expectations that, that, that many have for him because of how special of an athlete he was coming out of high school.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's no reason why that can't be the case moving forward. Let's, let's see. I mean, he's a guy to watch. He's the guy that if he was going to come out, he would have needed this season in my opinion. So, I mean, We'll see how this goes and how it plays out moving forward. But moving forward to the next running backs, let's talk about C.J. Verdell, um, the Oregon junior, the redshirt junior, 5'9", 210 pounds. This running back last year, I mean, he had 1,220 yards, good for 6.2 yards per carry, eight rushing touchdowns, and he added 14 receptions for 125 yards and no touchdowns in the receiving game. Paul, talk us talk to us about C.J. and what he brings to the table. Yeah. I like Verdell. I think he's a guy who, listen, when I do my
0: ranks and I do my round projections, it's, it's not easy to get a top 100 grade. I just don't think there's enough running backs valued at that. I mean, we saw a lot go this year. I I think Verdell is a guy who's more of a round four guy for me. And and we'll see kind of how we'll see how the year kind of unfolds itself. You know, again, if there is a year for, for PAC 12 players here, uh, but there are things about Verdell's game that I like. I like his athleticism, his speed, his burst. I think he's got above average to good in, in those range of athleticism, speed, acceleration. I like his short area burst. I think that's probably, you know, even better than the, the above average to good range. I like his footwork for a guy 210. He runs really tough. I love his finishing ability. I love his toughness. I love his ability to absorb contact and keep picking up additional yards or running through contact. He he shows that type of finishing ability and contact fidelity like you would think he's 220 or 222 and he's and he's 5'9" 210. So he he's a smaller guy but he's got a, I, I like the the power and that toughness that he runs with uh, receiving production. I still want to see a little bit more of that. I think NFL team will look at him and they'll want him to be more of a weapon in the receiving game. I think we got to see some, uh, better pass protection out of him. And I think people look at his height and they expect a guy who's going to be really good cutting ability, change of direction, you know, elusiveness, agility, stuff like that. Not really Verdell's game. To me, CJ Verdell's game is more linear. It's more explosiveness. It's more straight line than make people miss. Uh, So to me, he's a depth running back with upside to be a part of a committee. I would say somewhere in that day three range, maybe round four, but you know, round four, round five ish. Uh, To me, he's more of an inside gap or zone runner. I don't I think that's where he shines. Obviously, you know, his time in Oregon, they've they they run a lot of zone, especially, you know, inside zone and stuff like that. I think he can he can be pretty good at that. But he's got again, we've said it a lot on both shows. NFL teams want versatility in their running backs. He hasn't shown a lot in the past game. And for a guy his size and frame, he's got to be able to show that he can be a weapon in the receiving game and be a functional pass protector for him, I think, to make hay at the next level. Because if if he's going to just try to hold his hat on being a tough interior runner, 5'9", 210, I don't know if that's going to fly at the NFL level when there's when there's going to be guys bigger, more physical, and, and stronger. If he doesn't round out his game a little bit more uh, and then become a little bit more of a complete player.
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean when we talk about complete players to be honest with you, I think the next player up is a player that many would say it this could be the complete player we're looking for in this whole draft of running backs. Maybe this guy, maybe this player is the one that's going to be the most poised this year to challenge the likes of Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. And I'm talking about none other than Zamir White, but unfortunately Zamir White has been kind of, you know, you know, kind of plagued with injuries and the Georgia redshirt sophomore is six foot 215 pounds. And last year he rushed for 408 yards, good for 5.2 yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns. He added two receptions for 20 yards and no receiving touchdowns. Paul Zamir white. I mean, listen, I- I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, to kind of, you know, mince words about him. Um, he reminded me a lot at a high school at, at like Damian Harris. That's who he reminded me of. I saw a lot of Damian Harris in his game. And I mean exactly what Harris was doing when he was kind of showing out at Alabama, when we all thought, you know, listen, this is one of the top five running backs off the board. And that's the type of guy that I saw, you know, coming out of high school. I mean, there were things that he was doing, you know, he was a dynamic finisher, he was able to elude defenders, push the pile at the goal line, he was displayed that competitive toughness and explosive strength that you were looking for. And as a receiver, you know, he possessed the ability to make catches outside his frame and track the ball well through the air. But he was able to also, you know, he was able to run routes, but it wasn't really sure to what degree he was able to run routes. But there was no doubt about it. I mean, this was a player who I thought was poised and I'm sure I'm not alone here. We thought he was poised for stardom at the next level, but he was just kind of, you know, first the injury, but then a really crowded backfield, you know, that included the likes, you know, of Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. So I mean, it really never got off the ground, so to speak, you know, for Zamir White. I mean, do you see the promise in his game that was promised, so to speak, out of high school? Did he have that? Yeah, I mean I see
0: glimpses of it. And Similar to Master Teague, I know what their athletic profile in terms of high school did, but right now, and again, it's very limited. I mean, we're talking about a guy who you know, only has 408 yards in in college football under his belt, but right now in terms of his collegiate film, he hasn't shown the ability to create for himself. He hasn't shown the ability to make people miss with consistency, that agility and change of direction. Like right now, to me, he has got a great frame. Great play strength, burst, physicality, toughness, you know, pad level, leg drive. But to me right now, he, he, he's not for me as well rounded. You brought up the name Damian Harris. Damian Harris to me had no holes in his game. He didn't right. have a, he didn't have a standout calling card, so to speak, but he had no flaws in his game. He could pass protect. He can catch the football. He could run inside. He could run outside. He could run zone. He could run gap. To me, Zamir White right now is more of an interior gap runner who, you know, who would need to kind of have good offensive line play in front of him. And I don't think that's necessarily who he's going to be. I mean, this was only going to be his redshirt sophomore year. So who knows if he was even going to come out if there's a normal season this year. I think that upside is still there, but he's just played so little in college football. It's hard. You know, so some of this is a, is a projection, you know, that it's impossible not to, to fall back on, you know, what we thought about him coming out. But when I wrote the profile on him, I kind of just tried to base it on what film was available for in college. So I haven't seen that agility. I haven't seen that elusiveness. I haven't seen his receiving capabilities yet. To me, they're all big question marks right now. Uh, if he puts things together, I definitely think he's a committee backfield, even the potential to lead a committee, you know, to me inside gap or zone running scheme is, is where he can, but maybe as he gets more carries and touches, we'll see the ability for him to kick it to the outside and that he'll be able to, you know, be impactful out on the perimeter as well. It's tough. He's a very tough eval right now when you're basing it solely on, you know, film take.
1: No, and I agree with that. And I think that's exactly the point of this whole discussion. I think there's gonna be players like him and Master Teague that I think if they do the smart thing, it may not it's it's not coming out, of course. I think it's going back. And I think it's you, you kind of take the L this year and you say play or not play. I think I'm going to go back because I need to put down better tape. I'm cl- capable of it. I wonder if Zamir White was really healthy too. I mean, was that the same player we were seeing in high school? So I think, you know, all those things come into kind of focus when you talk about, you know, who they were on film in high school, who they ended up being. Listen, things change. Now, I I'm I don't I don't want to sound I don't want to sound silly, but I mean, I do think I am I am a little excited about Charvis Whitlow. I do think that although this he is although he is a a captain without a ship right now the redshirt junior is six foot two hundred and ten pounds and at Auburn he rushed for seven hundred and sixty three yards good for four point nine yards per carry ten touchdowns he added six receptions for one hundred and six yards and no touchdowns Paul. I think Jatarvius Whitlow was a player who could very well find his way onto NFL roster. I thought he was very well-rounded as a player. And I thought that that's, you know, I thought he was going to be a solid kind of depth type of running back. I I, I liked what I saw from him out of Auburn. I mean, he was a player that, again, well-rounded, overall game was good. I thought he was able to contribute between the tackles. He was okay in open field. These are just my passing kind of eval notes on him as I've been watching him over the last several years.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I like Jotarvius Whitlow. He's a guy I liked from last summer. I thought he was even going to have a bigger statistical year this past year. His receiving production, I don't think match what his receiving skills are. Yeah. So he only had six catches last year, but I think this is a guy who is right now has already got average receiving skills with upside to me. The size, the frame. I'm I'm fans of both of them. His contact fidelity, his athleticism, his long speed. He's got burst. He's got acceleration. He runs with toughness and physicality and showing off his play strength, his ability to one-cut and get upfield quickly. Unlike some of the other guys we talked about, he shows on film the ability to – Be elusive, show agility, change of direction skills in the open field, to at least be average to above average in those regards. He shows some pass protection capabilities already. His vision and patience, I would think, are are average. For me, developmental areas, besides him not having a team at the moment, you know, he's got some ball security issues he's got to clean up. He's had some durability issues. You'd like to see a little bit more receiving production put on, you know, on his record, on his resume, so to speak, and and some inconsistency in terms of his hands, but he's a guy very much like, you know, Keontae Ingram and I do like Ingram more, but Whitlow's a guy that could kind of, Develop into a guy that you're surprised by his overall athleticism. You're surprised by his agility and elusiveness and cutting ability for, for a guy his, his size and frame. And, and he's a guy who could also impact, you know, the receiving game as well. So I'm very intrigued to see where he kind of continues his collegiate career. Cause I do think he's a depth running back, but the upside to become a part of a committee backfield, you know, to me, he can run inside zone or gap. He's also got the ability to bounce runs to the perimeter and and run effectively outside as well.
1: I put him as a day guy, but a lot of upside. Yeah, I mean, listen, that speaks very much to exactly what I saw out of him. I think it was not last year, maybe it was two years ago, um, when we were doing some bumper sessions about Auburn. Um, these, I mean, for those of you who know what those are, I mean, thank you for listening to us for this long. Um, but we were doing some small shows about you know colleges and what their spring games were showing at the time. And Tarvius Whitlow stood out. I mean, he stood out um, just like that was the year that I, I noticed Clyde Edwards to at LSU. I mean, he was a guy that was just stood out as being, you know, capable of really contributing. And I am, I was really excited for him. And to your point, I was wondering, I actually was a little bit shocked at the statistical line because I was waiting for more of a contribution that past season, but it never really came to fruition and Auburn in general was was I don't know if they ever really got on track offensively I think they were you know they're grooming a new young quarterback at the time so this year could have been an opportunity for him but again like you said where would he have played that would have been interesting to see so finally Paul to round out this list last but certainly not least is Puka Williams from Kansas the junior 510 170 pounds last year he rushed for 1042 yards good for 5.1 yards per carry three rushing touchdowns and he added 27 receptions for 214 yards and two receiving touchdowns paul give us a little bit of a thumbnail sketch on puka williams
0: obviously the 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 size and frame is a little little bit concerning but we're talking about a guy who first off he's dealing with some off the field issues so we'll see how in terms of that in terms of that impacting uh his him in terms of his dress stock. He definitely could hinder his dress stock at, at some point, but just on the football field himself, we're talking about an explosive player. I'm, we're talking about a guy best on the perimeter an outside zone or gap running scheme, probably can run some inside zone draws and delays out of the shotgun as well. We're talking about a space player. I like him as a change of pace or receiving back. I think, I think he's a guy that you'd want to get touches to in a variety of ways because he's an impact player with the ball in his hands. I love his overall athletic Athleticism, his speed, his lateral quickness, his stop start acceleration, the burst, elusiveness, agility, cutting ability, change of direction, all that to me is a strength of this guy. You know, even at 170 pounds, he's got some ability to, you know, run through contact. I mean, he's not like powering through guys. Obviously, his power, is play strength, he's not going to do much in short yardage. But if you get him in the open field, he runs, he his running style. Leads to him to be able to absorb some contact and run through some contact and almost like pinball off of guys, which is nice to see. He, he shows good effort in terms of his finishing ability, even at 170. So he's not a guy who's afraid of contact at 170 pounds. I like his natural instincts, his vision and his patience. Obviously you get, you, you know, who he is and who he isn't, but I think as an, ex- I think as a change of pace, Get him in space. He could be an explosive playmaker for a team that can impact the game, rushing and receiving out of the backfield. Uh, there's a place for him at the next level. He can complement a lot of teams that have good, more physical interior early down runners. Uh, Puka is a guy who could really bring a different element to that back to someone's
1: backfield in terms of that explosive capability. Well, and when you talk about players like Puka Williams, you can't help but think about the player that always seems to emerge as a complimentary back at the NFL level, right? A player who can add something to a tandem and really kind of give a little bit more of a dynamic kind of feel to an offense. So with that in mind, Paul, I mean, we end what really has been a two-part extravaganza of looking at these players, at these running backs. And my question to you, Paul, is as we begin to round this out, let's finish off the show, I think, with a little bit of style. Let's talk about the current kind of your kind of tiers that you're working on. Okay. Because I think the tiers are going to change. So obviously these tiers are far from being complete, but initially as you look at this class, who are some of the guys that you immediately say in your mind, these guys seem to be, you know, the cream of the crop for me. These are the guys that I'm kind of putting all my chips on right now. If there's a football season, no football season, these are the guys I'm kind of leaning on give us a breakdown of some of those guys in those tiers.
0: Yes, I mean, listen, I think it's 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 intriguing to kind of look at this class as a whole cuz I don't think it's the I don't think it's anywhere on the level of what we just saw. So like when I kind of look at these, I kind of have my tier one is just Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. And to me, you can rank them either order and make a really strong argument that, you know, Travis Etienne should be one, Najee Harris should be two or vice versa, because there's there's a lot of things that Najee Harris does better than Travis Etienne besides that explosive burst element. So they're my they're my first tier. They're probably in a tier by itself. A lot of people probably have Trevor Hubbard in that tier. I I don't have them in, in that tier one. I have Ethan and Najee Harris. To me, those are guys that could be late round one to top ten picks or so in round two. For me, after that, then my tier two kind of has you know my tier two probably has Trevor Hubbard, Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis, and Journey Brown out of Penn State. This due to his overall upside. Uh, you know, and potential talent to raise to rise up, you know, if there is a season in some capacity and maybe on talent alone, I'll even put Keontae Ingram in, in that mix. Those are guys who I think could potentially be. Guys that go off the board, you know, on the second day or feel pretty good about coming off the board on the second day. I like their overall talent. I think they could impact the game on all three downs, which is something that to me is important uh, in terms of ranking them in these tiers. After that, I would probably say my next tier consists of, my next tier I think is a little bit on the bigger side. It's got Max Borgie who I think is at the next level will be a little bit more of a specialized role in terms of a receiving back, change of pace type guy. Kylan Hill, who reminds me very much- much of Zach Moss, I think he's more of a two-down interior runner, but he might get an opportunity if there's a season to show more receiving capabilities with that Mike Leach offense at Mississippi State. Uh, the guys we talked about tonight, Zemir White and Master Teague, I put them in this tier because there's a lot of development and upside. So these is like they're swing players. They're sitting here at ten and eleven for me. They can fall further down behind other guys, or they can rise up to be higher than the Max Borges or the Trey Sermons of the world and the Kylan Hills of the world. They can kind of move a lot based on if there is a season or not. Then my next tier kind of kind of consists of the guys who I think are explosive players, probably Puka Williams, JVN Hawkins, and and uh and Jared Patterson. So those are guys who I think could impact it. In the receiving game, the running game, I don't think they're full bell cows at the next level, even though Patterson has shown that capability at Buffalo. I don't think that's going to be the case for him at the next level. Uh, you know, so I think that's where he kind of fits in the mix. You may be even in this group, probably if we're tiering, I probably should also have Demetrik Felton because he's very much like that. He might even be more of a slot-wide receiver at the next level than than the true running back. So Puka Williams, Javion Hawkins, uh Jarrett Patterson, and probably Demetric Felton is a tier. And then my next tier would be guy a bunch of guys we talked about tonight, C.J. Verdell, uh, Jertavius Whitlow, I kind of put him down here because again, he's a little bit of an unknown right now. You know, if he doesn't, you know, play it all this year and then wait to and plays next year, coming off the transfer portal, you know, he kind of see how where he ends up before I felt more comfortable uh, moving him up the rankings. You have Rakeem Boyd and, and Kennedy Brooks. Uh, they would probably, they would probably round out this tier of guys. I think I like Verdell and Whitlow more than Boyd and Brooks. And then kind of rounded out, I think the the rest of them will be all in one tier. It's guys that either I have some question marks about their ability to transition or I need to see a little bit more. And it starts with Stephen Carr. Obviously, need to see more from him. Uh, we talked about Jermaine Jefferson tonight from Oregon State. We talked about Larry Roundtree from Missouri. We talked about Ty Chandler on the first episode. I have Brian Robinson down here again, but that's more just on The lack of production and opportunity, those other guys had a little bit more, made me feel comfortable since we don't know the uncertainty of this year's. And then I rounded it out with Malik Davis, who, like I said, probably doesn't deserve to be on this list, but I still can't quit it based on his big play upside that he showed as a freshman. And then Josh Johnson, who we talked about earlier tonight from UL Monroe.
1: Well, and I think that when you talk about this class, I think everything you just said earlier about it being... You know, listen, I I think that this class as a whole, it's very top heavy. I think there's a top heavy element to this class in terms of the guys that like could be, you know, the studs. But again, I haven't really dug into them as much as you have yet. And I'm excited to kind of compare notes as we move down the actual line. And Paul, I mean, as we kind of round this out, okay, and just kind of finish off this kind of literally two part episode. My question to you is this. If if you're sitting there just to give you a little bit of a dynasty spin, if you're sitting there, any of these guys top five picks in a dynasty? Yeah, I
0: mean, I think I think, I think I I think next year I'd be surprised. You know, obviously, it depends on one quarterback or super flex. Because if it's super flex, then I think yeah. it's tough because then you know if it's well, super yeah. flex and you have two quarterbacks in there at the top, and then you have the elite receivers in Chase and Bateman and Rondell Moore and, you know, so many other guys we're gonna talk about, you know, on the wide receiver previews, I think it I I think it, it becomes questionable. If we're talking about a one quarterback league yeah, I don't see how Travis Etienne and Najee Harris are not in the mix in top 5. So, I do think I do think t- Travis Etienne and Najee Harris deserve to be in the same consideration as what we where we were putting Josh Jacobs, same consideration as where we were putting Cam Akers this year and and you know and JK Dobbins and and those guys. Obviously this year the running backs couldn't have landed in better situations. I mean with Edward Tolaire and you know, in Kansas City and Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis and JK Dobbins as the as the probably heir apparent in, in uh Baltimore. You know, Cam Akers potentially becoming the guy for the Rams. You know, everyone kind of landed in good situations in that top except maybe DeAndre Swift, you know, with some uncertainty there with the Lions. But I do think on talent alone, Ethan and Najee Harris are top five worthy. And I think Hubbard, Gainwell, and Journey Brown are also first round worthy, with Journey Brown being the wild card. That if we ever, in some capacity, get a college football season, he's the guy who could explode upwards and push himself into that Ethan and Najee Harris mix. That's where that's how high I think of his overall talent. And if we had a full season, I think he could have pushed his way into that into that top two mix and been a part of it and made this, in my opinion, a big three at the top before the guys like Hubbard and Gainwell, uh, who I think very highly of also, but uh, just don't think they're guys who can handle heavy, heavy workloads at the next level and be the foundation of a, of a run game.
1: Well, I mean, listen, it's hard for me not to leave this episode and just not say that going into the season, Najee Harris was my RB1. Um, it's, he's been my running back in this class uh, for a while. And I have no problem saying that I think he's one of the most skilled backs in this class. But to your point, 1-1A... I mean, if you said to me you wanted to take Travis Etienne, I would disagree, but it's not like I would heavily disagree. I can see my way fit to do that as well. Journey Brown is the one that I'm very intrigued to see, and I hope hope everybody out there is intrigued to watch these guys on their own. Like we say all the time, you know, Paul and I are here to give you our thoughts, our snapshots, our insights, and hopefully you'll join us throughout the season as we continue to unpack these running backs even more. This is only just the beginning of the story as we begin to look at this class through whatever football may be offered to us or ever, or maybe there's going to be more film released because again, you know, Paul and I don't have a vast library of film. We take whatever's publicly available to view. So maybe more games will become available. Maybe we'll be able to kind of go back and check a little bit more to see what we see. So for everybody out there, including myself and everybody here at the Saturday to Sunday football podcast, including Dave Nakano, our sound and tech engineer, We want to say thank you for spending your time with us, and we hope this gave you a little bit of respite and a little bit of enjoyment as we get ready for the upcoming season in whatever fashion it may come. So on behalf again of myself, Paul and David Nicano, please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday.